Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from him who was and who is and who is to come, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. From one Easter to another, 365 plus days removed, it's been a long haul. People are tired, but people are exhilarated a little bit to see life kind of opening up. Over the last year, we had so many experiences that seemed kind of surreal and so many things that we had to think through. We had feelings that we never maybe felt before. Some of us in our families went through deep-seated losses. Other families went through miraculous times of healing and restoration and, and rebirth. In my own family, we suffered with COVID going through it, and we welcomed a grandson into the Klinkenberg family. A little bit of a mixed bag, but it's a year later. We're kind of feeling like we're reopening. We're on the way through. We're on the way out. The light's getting bigger at the end of the tunnel. Everyone breathes a little easier because we're maybe a little bit more used to wearing a mask. I love Lutherans. On the one hand, you crack me up. You say, I want to get back to church. I want to get back to church. And I say, if you're going to come back to church, you probably have to wear a mask. And the first Sunday we come back, people say, when are we going to ditch the masks? I say, well, (laughs) thing at a time, thing, thing at a time. We closed our schools and then we opened them. We closed our restaurants and then we opened them. We closed our churches and now we're reopening them. And in the spirit of opening up, there's an opportunity to reopen our lives, our hearts, our brains, our spirits and souls. To think a new thought, to dream a new dream, to kind of reopen and rethink what guides and, and inspires us in our lives. The scripture allows us to to do that today. It leads us in our thinking. The scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What have you been thinking about? You've had opportunity to think For those of us who worked at home for a little while, for those of us who were engaged, when things were really quiet, the mind began to spin. And maybe for the first time in a long time, Western civilization, all of us included, got to think a little bit. Think about big questions of life. Not like, is a double-double bigger or better than a Five Guys burger, but something much more important. Questions of, who am I? With whom do I share the world and how do I interact with people? What does it mean to engage in the world? What does it mean to believe that God has designed things bigger and better and grander than than just what I think and what 
what I'm all about. On some of the hardest days of, of, of the isolation, I would sit in my backyard and I've got a little koi pond that I used to hate but now I love. And it's quiet back there except for the gurgling water. I had a family who moved to Nashville, gave me these huge, beautiful koi fish. And I glory in watching them and taking care of them and looking after them. It's a great place to sit and reflect on quiet mornings with a cup of coffee or, as people tease me, a cup of creamer with a little coffee added to it. When the news was so loud and so distant, I'd turn it off and go into my backyard. And there I could be reminded of who I was and what I was all about. I could think through the thing of the answer to the question, who am I? Who are you? What are you all about? At the end of the day, at the end of life, at the end of Easter 2021, who are you? And maybe this morning in this message at this time, you have an opportunity to think deeply about who you are because who you are defines what you do and what you're all about. We've been able through the course of this last year to also think about what we believe about other people. For a while, maybe we saw other people as COVID carriers and viewed others with suspicion and fear. Just stay away. The first mass shaming situation I saw was at the Stater Brothers off of Prospect and Chapman. A man screaming at another man in English when clearly the man didn't even speak a word of English and probably only spoke Spanish. How do we get along? For a longer time, we've been encouraged by our leaders to look at one another through the pernicious eyes of racism. At a time when we could have been drawn together, it seems like we've been fractured. What do you believe about other people? And how we interact and how we connect And how we live and breathe and have our being together. We've also been able to think a little little bit about the created order. About how things kind of hold together. Especially when it seems like the only thing holding things together is faith. We've had to think about the created order. We've had to think about viruses and science. We've had to think about masks and distancing. We've had to think about chromosomes and all those things. And if you don't believe what someone says, they'll tell you that you don't believe in science. And you say, well, I believe in science. But they go, no, no, you don't believe in science. Say, yeah, but I believe in. We've been challenged in our thinking about humanity, about our flesh and blood, about our bodies, and whether or not the body defines itself or whether or not the mind can define the body. Think about what you believe about the created order. Take just a few moments. I'd love to put some pictures of my koi pond up there for you, but my trees aren't trimmed and my backyard isn't in good Germanic order as it should be. But we're here, not there. Guided by the word of God, we are here. And it's fantastic. It's moving to be here this morning. We're here to be encouraged in what we believe. Because what we believe drives our understanding of self, of others, our understanding of the created order. And if you've been knocked, 
in your faith and kind of punched in the mouth in your faith over this last year, if you've struggled this year with feelings you've never had, I've got great news for you today. Of all the things that have changed, the most important thing has stayed the same. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is alive. He comes to you and me this morning with forgiveness and grace and mercy. He comes with love. He comes with life. He comes with salvation. He comes to shape you, to form you in what you believe and who you are. Yeah, amen. When you dig through your mind and soul and you think about what you believe, the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives you four pillars upon which to base what you believe. Pillars that have stood the test of time. They're not just a year old, they're over 2,000 years old. And they go back to a garden and a tomb and ladies who are afraid. Paul writes, Christ died for our sins. Believe that Christ died for your sins. Believe that you are at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. God loves you for Jesus' sake. And that love is so deep that one day he will take us all to heaven to be with him. Christ died for our sins. Our sins are gone. None of our sins dribble over with us into eternity. And somehow we got to work some of them off. It just doesn't work that way. At the end of the day, in total exhaustion, in fear and nervousness, hold on to this peace. Christ died for your sins. The one relationship that matters the most in maintaining mental equilibrium is here. You have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, he was buried. People saw it. Two wealthy men, two connected men, two educated men, they saw it. Nicodemus... And his friend, the women, reputable people, they wrapped up the dead body. They put it in a tomb. And adios amigo, Jesus was dead. Jesus was dead. He wasn't faking it or doing a, a magic trick. He wasn't kind of passed out. And then the aloes and oils reanimated him. He wasn't defibrillated at the tomb by the Roman soldiers. He was dead. And because he was dead, our sins are atoned for. He died for us, not some parlor trick. He died for us. And the next piece stands to reason as well. He was raised on the third day. That's why you're here. That's what you believe. He was raised on the third day. He rose from the dead. No one had done that before, but Jesus had. And in his resurrection, we have life and immortality and salvation. He's the best thing going today. Because he lives even here and now. And because he lives here and now, he is with you. He is with us. We are not alone. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And then Paul says, and here's the list of people who saw him. Typical Jewish argument, you only needed two or three people to attest to the veracity of what was real. So you had that with the women at the tomb with the soldiers. But Paul articulates that there's more than 514 people who saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead. How many more do you need to believe? I was pretty good with Jesus said it. I was pretty good when he popped into the room. I was pretty good when he walked up to the shore with the fish. 
But Paul, years later, a few years later, comes back and says, more than 514 people saw Jesus alive. Not a shadow of himself, not a figment of imagination, not an apparition on a Disney ride. Jesus was witnessed to be alive by over 514 people. If you need an outside source from Roman history or Jewish history, I can find that for you as well. What do you believe? Because what you believe determines who you are and what you do. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. He appeared to the twelve and more than 500 to James and Paul. I believe that. Matter of fact, I just don't believe part of that. And I don't believe that about 65% to kind of push over a threshold. I believe all of that. And I believe all of that every day. And over this last year, it's only been that belief that has kind of pulled me through this narrow, horrible pipe. And I could nod my head in the backyard and say, you're darn right. I'm a child of God. He died for my sins. Even the sins of anger that I'm going through right now. But he was raised and something better is coming for me and for all of us. And when I began to wonder where God was, I came back to, you know what? Maybe I haven't seen him face to face, but I know that 514 other people did. What do you believe? So let's come back to just a few moments to those three questions. Who am I? Who are you? At the end of the day, according to Jesus, through a pandemic and all the attending anxiety, you remain a child of God. You are 100% in the family of faith. Jesus died and rose so you could be in him and with him and he in you. Who are you? You are a child of God. And the tenacious grip of the Savior will never let you go. There is no sense in which Jesus would ever walk away from you. He loves you that much. And what about other people? Who do I share the world with? Well, I share the world with people who are also created in the image of God, like me. All people have on their souls the fingerprints of, of the Creator. And Scripture reminds us that in Christ, all are one. Black and white, one in Christ. Male and female, one in Christ. People from Mexico or China or Japan or Timbuktu are all one in Christ. And for Christians, from all across the world, we hold more in common in the death and resurrection of Jesus than would ever separate us by any fracturing of any culture ever in the history of the world. I believe that. And it allows me to look with compassion on people and be patient rather than judgmental and kind rather than dogmatic. And the created order? Well, we believe quite simply that there is a created order, that God made stuff. That there was not chaos and all this thing and God took chaos we believe that God created everything and he created things with a marvelous design and intention so intended and so creative that he could find a way to lead scientists to a vaccine that would allow us to worship together today in great great safety and in great great numbers he created a way that makes sense for us and others 
and embedded his own design into all things, even our chromosomes, so that my grandson looks like me, which is scary. And we'll see how he socializes, but that's a sermon for another day. Some say God is in control. I hate that because that sounds fatalistic. Well, you know, God is in control. Yeah, a train just went off a bridge and God was in control. Then why didn't God grab the train? I like to say, I believe that he has created me and all that is. And that in what God has created, there's a sense of wonder, science, uniqueness, complexity, and faith. I believe there's a design woven into absolutely everything that God has made you to be. And you can change whatever you want, but you can never depart from whom God made you. One more little thought as I wrap this big long message up. And that's the question of passing it on. Paul gives us the formula for passing on what we believe. And what you have to pass on is the best, most successful worldview in the history of humanity. You have the most hopeful belief system in the history of the world. You are a part and a function of the longest running movement of mankind. Nothing has been as successful in the history of the world as the pervasive nature of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Nothing has the staying power of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus has outlasted them all. Kings, politicians, scientists, leaders, soldiers, athletes, actors, business people, etc., etc. Jesus and his movement has outlasted everyone and everything. Thanks be to God. And here's the formula for passing that on. For what I received, I passed on to you. What I received, I passed on to you. It's just that easy. What I got, I'm giving to you. And there you have it. Paul received it. He passed it on. We got it from Paul today. I passed it on to you. You got it from me. You pass it on today. We pass it on with love and kindness and respect Gone are the days where the Christian guy can sit on somebody's chest and say, confess Christ or die. As Peter would say, we do so with gentleness and respect. For what I received, I passed on to you. Today, we get to gather together as a family. We're going to my brother's house. It's going to be great. The food won't be as good as at my place, but that's all part of it. But everyone's together. We're going to have a, a, a cornhole tournament. We're going to drink Snapple. We're going to mess around and laugh and have a good time. We probably will not wear masks because just about everyone who is of that age has been completely vaccinated. So it will get loud and obnoxious and silly and goofy. And the kids don't go for eggs because the youngest one is 22. But next year when crew is one and a half, we'll see what happens there. Uncle Tim's going to be. Let me tell you a little bit about how Uncle Tim works in that. Uncle Tim loves his nephews and his family unconditionally. And my nephew says, Uncle Tim, how do you like my sleeve? I've got tattoos all over. What do you think? I say, Chris, I think those are great. (laughs) 
my nephew texts me and says, Uncle Tim, you hate my politics. You must be angry with me. And I say, nephew, I could care less about your politics. First and foremost, you were created in the image of God. My DNA is your DNA. And I love you unconditionally. And then in that context of understanding who we are with humility and humor, Uncle Tim does not preach the Easter sermon again but passes down what he has received. It's really just that easy. What I received, I passed on to you. And you pass it on to others. It's the fuel of a movement, a movement that started in an empty tomb. And that continues today here and now happy easter god go with you and bless you in these days of opening and i pray that he would give you every opportunity to think through things that are deep and rich and meaningful and then he would bless you with the gift of faith in jesus amen amen